One of the most intriguing things to me about the horsemanship journey is coming to understand that I need to be training myself, my own brain, as much as I am training my horse. My horse needs me to have certain qualities in order for her to be able to hear me when I try to communicate my needs to her or my wishes to her. Her needs have to be met first. Who do I need to be? What do I need to know? How do I need to be able to present myself in the world in order for my message to be well received by my horses? That's what this episode's all about. If you'd like more support, please reach out to me, coachchristy.com. I'd love to be your coach. So this week, our topic is what does my horse need? And um, it's a really big topic. That's a lot for us to, you know, to talk about and, and dig into. And here, here's how I'm going to start this conversation. The first thing is I need you to understand that you probably already have an idea of what your horse needs. It's not a matter of, of whether or not you know what your horse needs. It's a matter of whether or not you are in a place mentally, emotionally, and physically to give them what they need. And, um, you know, the, for, for this morning's conversation, I would challenge you to stay present with me as I, as I present some ideas and concepts to you, not, you know, sort of skip ahead in your mind and think to yourself, you know, here's what I want the answer to be, <laughs> right? Here's what, what I wish the answer to be, but be present with me as I try to give you um, a realistic um, idea of what horses need from us. The first thing they need, right, is for us to be able to set our personal agenda on the back burner anytime they have a need that hasn't been met, all right? So if you are getting a brace, if your horse is resisting you in any shape or form, it is because they have a need that has not been met. It is not because they're plotting or scheming against you. It is not because they don't want to do the right thing. It is not because they're naughty or stubborn or, uh, you know, any of those uh, um, negative sort of um, connotation words that we use to try to help us identify behavior. The reason that they lean, pull, or push is because they have a need that hasn't been met. So you really can boil it down to three things, right? Safety, comfort, or play. And if you try one and it, as, try a strategy for one of them, <clears throat> if it works, great. If it doesn't, try another one and keep trying until you find the one that fixes it, okay? So if the need is for safety, you need to retreat more. Retreat more and for longer, right? If your horse is bracing against you because they don't feel safe, you have to take them to their safe place, whether that is a, a mental place or a physical place in, in your reality. You know, that could be, um, you know, back to the barn. That could be that you just relax for a minute. It, there's lots of ways to retreat, but if what their basic need that hasn't been met yet is safety, that they don't feel safe in the situation, you must retreat. If you don't retreat far enough and for long enough, you're not going to train the behavior that you're wanting. What you're going to end up training is coping mechanisms. And, you know, what kind of coping mechanism you get will depend on your horse's personality, right? So if 
you have a more tense horse, you might train them to develop learned helplessness, right? That they'll do the best they can in the situation, but there will be an underlying level of brace no matter what you get done. And that that little bit of brace is going to prevent you from experiencing the magic that happens when you get into harmony with each other. There is no brace in harmony, zero, none, zilch. You know, the, the whole analogy of it's light as a feather or it's like pushing a rubber ducky across water. Like the whole thing, it just comes easy. It's sweet and smooth and kind and gentle and fabulous and exciting. You know, all of those qualities, any level of brace in it, you, you cannot experience those things, okay? So if the need that hasn't been met is safety, you must retreat, okay? If the need, and listen, if you have a pushy horse and their need for safety hasn't been met, they're not going to, they're not likely to develop learned helplessness unless they are low spirited. They're more likely to, um, you know, lean, push or pull harder. <laughs> and, you know, if they're a stopper, if they're a pushy stopper, they lean, pull or push by not moving, right? By ignoring you, by tuning you out, by getting, by seeming to be dull, they're not dull. They just don't want to do what you're asking them to do because it doesn't feel safe. So they tune you out. If they're a pushy mover, then they just get more, you know, animated in their lean polar push, right? They'll they'll just get bigger. Especially left brain extroverts, pushy movers, um, really embrace how strong they are, right? Physically. They really are keen to like prove to you that I'm bigger and stronger than you. And they are. I don't care what kind of tools you have what kind of strategies you have, they're bigger and stronger than you. Okay, so you gotta um, retreat. Whether it's um, right brain or left brain, pushy or stop, you know, pushy or tense. Uh, if safety is the issue, you must retreat. Comfort comes down to understanding the difference between pleasing communication and polite pressure that just moves them around, all right? Pleasing communication is an interaction that is subtle from you and responsive from the horse, right? Subtle from you means you're not lifting your stick, all right? You, you might be using your stick, but the tip of the stick needs to be on the ground. You're not spanking the ground. You're not putting a wrinkle in their side when you put your leg on them. You're not like pulling their lips off when you use the reins, you know, as subtle as possible, right? Without being sneaky or unclear, right? Um, so subtle from you and responsive from the horse. If if you're getting those two qualities, then then they their need for comfort has been met. If instead you just use a polite amount of pressure to move them around physically, a, a pushy horse is going to get more and more dull, more and more sluggish, more and more and more like ugh. Like they're just going to do the bare minimum because it doesn't feel good to do it, right? They're, they're just putting up with an annoyance, okay? If you have a more tense horse, more likely they will get more and more tense, right? If they can't find the happy place, if they can't find the spot that it feels good to do the interaction, um, they're, they're going to do it because they're keen to be obedient, but it will have tension in it. They'll purse their lips, they'll wrinkle their eyes, they'll hold their breath. They'll tense their ears, you know, things like that will let us know that they're doing it because they know what you want, but it doesn't feel good to do it. That's what comfort and discomfort is about, is the appropriate use of pressure. The appropriate use of pressure will lead you to 
responsiveness from your horse, but it's only pleasing to them if your communication is equally subtle, right? It has to get more and more refined. If you don't refine your communication, comfort will, will lose its meaning altogether. They become entirely dull to it. It's so tragic when it happens because then you have to whack the crap out of them to fix it, okay? So need, need number two is comfort, right? We need to install in them um, a, a, an idea that comfort exists, right? That there is a place where this interaction is going to feel good. We need to be subtle. They need to be responsive. An appropriate use of pressure is what's going to get you there. Play is the third need. And, and these um, needs are usually in this order. If they don't feel safe, they're obviously not going to care about comfort or play. If they feel safe, but they don't feel like anything that they do is going to feel good, then they're not going to be interested in trying to play with you. All right. Play happens <coughs> when we can... Um, keep them interested in the conversation, right? That we don't overdo a behavior. We don't, you know, get greedy or, you know, Pat would say burn the toast, right? A lot of times it's human nature that as soon as something is starting to work, right? That it feels good to us, that we will do it obsessively, which is <laughs> like to do it over and over and over again. And in doing so, it loses its, um, you know, the, the, the good part of novelty, right? There, there is a good spot in novelty. And um, when we overcook a behavior, that, um, that, that sparkle, that fun uh, part of it, you know, gets pulled out. So you got to have a, a good balance between consistency and variety, right? Obviously, we need some consist consistency in order to train something, right? In order for behavior to be trained, it needs some consistency. But too much consistency and that behavior becomes um, sort of used up, okay? Um, you can use that phenomenon on purpose. If there's a behavior that your horse does that you don't want them to do, one strategy for you know, getting them to stop wanting to do it is to exhaust the behavior, is to ask them to do it so much that, that it loses its sparkle, that it loses its you know, pull on them. So um, you know, th that is a legit, behavior modification strategy is exhaust the behavior, okay? That is something that gets used across the board um, in all species when it comes to training animals, okay? So uh, if you want a behavior to have an extra amount of energy, don't do it too often. If, you, if the behavior has more energy or life in it than you want it to have, repeat it for a while until it like turns the volume down a little bit, okay? So play is all about having a good balance between consistency and variety. And the way that I go about, I personally like to go about trying to like find the balance there is using the rule of three, right? I'm gonna introduce a behavior. I'm gonna repeat it three times. At the end of that third time, I'm gonna evaluate whether or not I feel like there's a spark of understanding. If there is, then I'm gonna change the subject, right? If I've improved the behavior by 1%, I'm gonna give it a number zero to 10 on the first attempt. If I get to attempt number three and that number has improved, even if it's by one tenth of a per number, right? If I moved it from a five to a 5.1, <laughs> then I'm gonna call that a success. We have a little you know, inkling of understanding that the goal is becoming more clear that I'm gonna change the subject. I might come back to that subject later in the conversation. But at that point, I'm not going to keep going unless I feel like my horse doesn't understand the goal any better than when we started. 
So if I get to attempt number three, we haven't improved our understanding at all, then I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna do another rule of three until I can get to that attempt number three and feel like I've improved the behavior a little bit, okay? That's how I personally um, find balance between consistency and variety. Some horses need more repetition to gain understanding. Vanna needs a ton of repetition. It's really been a huge um, journey for us. And I've learned so much from her in that capacity because um, Saturi and Maxi hate repetition. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they understand a behavior quickly. And um, if you repeat it even one time too many, it, it you know, it, 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 you know, detracts from their willingness to do it. So uh, playfulness or, you know, using play as a way to, um, you know, develop behavior ha has to do with balancing consistency and variety. Okay. All of those things, those are ability to see, perceive, address those needs are reliant on our own ability to develop ourselves. <laughs> you, I, you can hear me intellectually and, and smile and nod and go, yep, that makes sense. But until you are in a place in your own nervous system where you're able to stay present and, and perceive these things from our horses as it happens in the moment, um, you won't be able to address them in a way that feels satisfying. Okay, so let's talk about some things we might need to work on in ourselves in order to um, be able to notice, right? To address our horse's need for safe needs for safety, comfort, and play, okay? The, the first thing we need to work on is our ability to embrace a timeline, right? And, and by that, I mean, throw it out the window. <laughs> there is no such thing, right? We have to find a balance between um, our own personal goals and accepting our horse's um, feedback, right? It, it, a lot of people were, will um, refer to that quality as patience, right? And patience happens when we believe what we are doing is going to work, right? I can be infinitely patient when I know that what I'm doing is going to eventually at some point, even if it's months from now, <laughs> lead me to a result. And that's what I'm you know, really appreciating now because I've put in the time, um, about my journey with Vanna. My journey with Vanna has really, um, changed my perspective on time, right? That there are certain behaviors that are just going to need more time. And, um, my, uh, my experiences with her and having the ability to like, see it through for a long time, like the canner issue has been two years in the making guys two years of like really solid trying to, to get to a better place. And we're only just now starting to feel it. Like the last time I rode her, the canter was so awesome. It was so awesome. I could like, I could cry every time it happens. Cindy, you know what I'm talking about that freaking like, Oh, I just want you to just like a nice, easy three canter. I'm not even like asking you for, you know, miracles here. I'm not talking about like, canter pirouettes I just went like a lope you know uh, <clears throat> so it's been a crazy journey trying to all the different things uh, obsessing about saddle fit and my rider bound mechanics and do her feet feel good and is her back okay and it, you know am I hurting her mouth you know should I 
do it more? Should I do it less? You know, just trying to um, keep experimenting until we figure out the right combination of things. Um, so patience happens when you have faith. You're going to gain faith when you experience success. And sometimes success is months and months in the making. All right. And so patience also is going to come down to a willingness to just embrace the suck right? Embrace the crappy parts that just don't feel good. And we just wish for it to be over. I just want to get to the fun stuff. Um, that's just not how it works. Unless you, you buy the perfect horse, which I'm not sure one exists. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they're perfect um, all by themselves. They're perfect until we show up, right? And so maybe the, the horse would think maybe I could buy the perfect human. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the quality that I would recommend you focus on first is um, patience and patience co comes down to a willingness to experiment, make mistakes, and then make adjustments according to your experiment, right? You have to read the horse, read the situation, and then reapproach with that information in mind, right? That rinse and repeat till it works. <laughs> All right. So patience is the, is, um, something we need to develop in ourselves. Another quality that we would benefit from would be the ability to stay consistent, right? A lot of times, um, the thing that happened with Vanna and the canner, right. Is, um, you know, let's see, I've been riding Vanna for five years, <laughs> five years. Um, and, uh, you know, I pretty much just avoided the canner, uh, for the first three, which is fine. I don't, you know, have any, um, you know, moral objections to that other than you can't fix something that you're not working on. <laughs> you can't develop a behavior that you avoid. And so we were avoiding it because it was yucky. It didn't feel good. She was rammy and I would lose my balance and the saddle would slip and all kinds of fun stuff, right? It just didn't feel good. So in order for a behavior to get better, we have to be consistent in our, um, you know, approach to it. It has to be something that you're willing to like slug through the mud with in, in order to eventually come out the other side. So um, that to me boils down to an ability to just go, yep, this sucks. And <laughs> right, like, right, okay. Like all you can do is go, yep, I don't like it. And I'm going to keep trying to figure out what would make it better for us both. Okay. You, you got to have some consistency. Another quality guys, this one's so important. Listen to me very carefully. You have to be clear and consistent in your language, right? You can't keep changing the words for behaviors, right? You got to be very, very consistent in the way that you ask for each behavior in order for that, those words to turn into a, a conversation. You can't one day um, make an L with your arms and say that means sideways. And the next day do something like this to mean sideways. That's two different words. Like you're, you keep changing the language. It's going to cause them to get confused. And as soon as they're confused, they're going to brace. They're going to lean, pull, or push in an effort to protect themselves, okay? You have to be clear in your communication and consistent in your communication. It has to make sense to them, and it needs to be um, the same every time you talk to them, right? Every, every, imagine if 
every week we had this Zoom conversation, I spoke to you in a different language. <laughs> this is, you know, I'm still teaching you. I'm still, you know, the message is still horsemanship, but you can't understand me, you know, nine out of 10 weeks because that's the only time I speak English. The other times I'm speaking some other language, right? That that would be upsetting, I would think. Um, so uh, we got to keep the, the language the same, okay? <clears throat> Another quality that we have to have the ability, and you guys are good at this one, okay, is our ability to empathize with our horse's situation, right? To be empathetic to what they're going through. It's it's an ability to, to see what's happening and think to yourself, why doesn't this make sense to you versus why are you doing this to me, right? That That is the underlying, you know, sort of inner monologue that's going to kill any attempt or any any possibility for progress if somewhere in your mind you're you're you know victimizing yourself via your horse's inability to understand what you want uh, by thinking why are you doing this to me then you know you're dead in the water okay you have to think to yourself how can i make this make more sense to you all right do i need to break it down do i need to take longer breaks do i need to you know approach it from a different angle whatever it is but you have to think of it in, in terms of what a prey animal is thinking, not what a predator is thinking, not what a human with an ego and an advanced prefrontal cortex is thinking. Like I said in the beginning, they cannot plot scheme, you know, you know, they're not faking anything. All right. They, I love it when somebody says they're pretending. <laughs> what? Horses can't pretend. That's crazy. That is crazy. The ability to pretend is a very advanced form of thinking, right? In order for you to be able to pretend, you have to have the ability to imagine. And the only species that we know for sure that has an imagination are humans. There's some research that indicates that there are some primates that might have the capacity for imagination and some research that's indicating that perhaps um, uh, some um, marine life, uh, mammals, right? Marine mammals, um, dolphins, and maybe some whales have the capacity to, you know, create a scenario in their mind before they act on it in, in reality. Horses, uh, um, most likely not, right? Most likely not, do not have the capacity to imagine. Now, here is something that I actually, I am, I recently purchased an online class. You'd be so proud of me. I'm taking an online class um, from, um, I don't know how to say his name, Nan Shook. Nan Shook. Anyway, it's the, his barefoot trim class. Okay, it's not not the horsemanship class. It's barefoot trim class. But one of the things he um, mentioned in the last thing I just watched was that horses will hide pain if they're perceiving you as a predator. All right, so when we... Uh, because it makes them vulnerable, right? If a predator sees them limp or express pain in any way, um, it makes it more likely that they could be eaten. So a horse could be in pain and and hide it from us if they feel like the situation isn't safe for them, which I thought was really interesting. I, I that, that really caused me a bit of pause. Hmm. <laughs> That's like <laughs> a little stab in the guts. Um, so, uh, you know, keep that in mind that they have, they, ha they do have the capacity to mask pain if it's not safe to, um, you know, display pain in that situation. Um, but more, you know, outside of that, they don't have the ability to pretend. Okay. So see it 
as it is. They're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time, whether it's because they don't feel safe. They don't understand what you're asking them to do. They don't feel like they can do what you're asking them to do. Um, you know, there's lots of reasons for it, but, you know, be empathetic in their situation. All right. All right. Here's another thing horses need from us. You have to be confident. <laughs> right. You have to, even if you're not confident that you're doing the right thing or that what you're doing is going to work, you have to be confident that it's okay to try. All right. That it's, it's a good thing. It's a good experiment to, you know, give it a good, honest try. Uh, it, anytime we approach something from a mental place of not confident in the, in the try, um, we're going to present it in a way that makes the horse distrust it right? Our energy behind it is going to be distrustful. So you have to figure out how to get more confident. And sometimes most, more, more times than not, what that boils down to is your inner monologue, the way we speak to ourselves. Okay. That's the biggest, biggest um, hurdle for most of us is somewhere in the back of our minds. We're telling ourselves that, you know, that we're not good enough for various reasons and in various ways. Okay. I promise you, <laughs> I still have Pat's voice in the back of my head sometimes telling me that I'm not shit, right? That, that what I can do, you know, that I, you know, I don't deserve to be in the arena. So I got to constantly, um, thank that little voice for showing up. Like you were there for a reason at, at a point, but I no longer need you M move along little doggy, <laughs> right? You're not, you are not serving me right now. You, you can, I appreciate your, your input, but you can move along, right? So acknowledge that it happened and then let it move through you. You got, you got to train the inner monologue. Okay. But another thing I really highly recommend around confidence is to get handy, not just with your specific tools, but just in general, in order to be confident, we need to feel, um, it needs to be muscle memory to have like hand eye coordination, to feel balanced on our feet, to be feel balanced in the saddle, um, you know, you got to do things that help you gain physical skills, right? So, you know, um, th this last, when I was teaching in Australia, I, you know, we did quick draw, which I, if you've ever taken a pearly clinic, especially it's level one, you probably did quick draw, but it was often presented as a way to, you know, just sort of like a little bit of silly fun, right. To, um, you know, sort of break the ice and get everybody giggling a little bit. <clears throat> but it's like a bare minimum skill to be able to like, you know, catch something that's coming at you. <laughs> you know, that kind of hand-eye coordination is entirely needed, but hundred percent necessary. Like how handy can you be, whether you're like throwing and catching things or balancing yourself in one way or another guys, you'd be so proud of me. <laughs> I am going to my yoga classes. I totally went last night. It was my third one. Thank you. Um, it was so hard to get myself to go. I did not want to go. Um, but I tell you what, uh, you know, it's a totally beginner's class. It's, it's not at all, um, advanced, but, um, I I'm keeping up pretty good. Although last week I did one that's a, a combo class between yoga and bar exercises. Holy smokes bar exercises, like, you know, like ballerina shit. And, <clears throat> um, I completely fried my quads. I could not walk for like a week. <laughs> my quads were just toast. We did so many versions of lunges and squats 
that my I, I like this yoga studio is at the top of a flight of stairs. I almost felt like I needed to like sit on my butt and <laughs> down the stairs because I didn't know for sure if my legs were going to hold me up. <clears throat> but it's getting better. Uh, I'm getting it's getting better. So, uh, you know, I love being in that environment now. It, it's that initial sort of getting over the hump of trying something new. Right. Um, but you know, what I do love, especially about the, the yoga is that, um, every yoga session includes exercises around balance, right? The tree pose and, um, you know, all the different, even like the warrior poses require an element of psoatic or uh, psoas muscle, um, engagement, right? It's balance, right. To engage my psoas muscles. So I'm really excited about the results that that kind of, um, movement might net me, um, when I'm riding. Okay. So if you don't feel balanced, if you don't feel strong, if you don't feel confident in the saddle, figure, figure it out. You got to try some stuff, whether it's a, you know, a type of exercise or just something you can do at home. I highly recommend getting handy with your tools. All right. You got to be able to do quick draw in, you know, um, if you watch my video that I posted not too long ago in one of our emails with skill drills, um, I love my version of quick draw where you can catch it behind your back. Okay. Cause that's a hundred percent feel it's not hand-eye coordination. It's our ability to sort of mentally um, predict the the path that the, you know, projectile is going to take and catch it behind your back. Uh, so all those things are relevant and important. You got to get handy. Okay. Do what you got to do, figure it out. Okay. That will develop your confidence as well. Another thing with confidence is going to come down to knowledge. All right. So you got to study the stuff, <laughs> right? Whether you're, um, you know, you have a book that you're reading, you have an online program that you're following, whatever it is, you need theory. Okay. Um, it, it, theory needs to at some point get put into practical application in order for it to be like real knowledge, but you do need to study the theory study all the theory in, in every which, you know, capacity you feel compelled to do so. I, I study a lot of different people. I have been inside a lot of different online um, programs in an effort um, just to, you know, does that message fit, you know, me? Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, you got to study the, the theory though. Okay. I don't, and I don't mind what theory, you know, there's some theory in our Facebook group, but that's not really um, the point of that, right? The, that, that's more practical application stuff, but um, you need to find a source of theory. Of course, I'm going to recommend Linda's program, How to Talk Horse, is chucked full of theory, um, you know, reading and, and verbally presented information. Um, but if the theory is Pirelli, obviously, I'm still going to be feel congruent about that. I spent a few months inside of Warwick Schiller's online stuff. And I, I like the way he presents it there as well. Whatever it is, um, another aspect to confidence is going to be knowledge. Okay. So you got to train your inner monologue. Okay. Get handy and study the theory that all will help you um, uh, be more confident. Okay. You ready for another one? Here's another aspect we need. You need to be adaptable. Humans want there to be one solution to every problem that's not reality. Okay. <laughs> reality is there's always going to be an infinite amount of solutions and there's going to be solutions that work better in, in one situation than another. But in order for you to be adaptable, you need to 
gain as many different options as possible. The most effective horsemen are the ones who have the most arrows in their quiver. Okay. So don't get, you know, rigid in that because this technique worked on that problem with that horse, that that's the only technique for that problem for every horse. There's lots and lots of ways um, to get, get things done. You know, there's many, many paths to roam and we got to um, keep working toward finding as many paths as possible. The more paths we know, the more adaptable we, we will be. Okay. And, and here's the fun part about horsemanship, right? <laughs> the thing that worked yesterday isn't guaranteed to work tomorrow, even on the same problem for the same horse. <laughs> so we, you know, we gotta be ready for the horse to go, okay, yeah, that worked yesterday, but it's not going to work now. I, I have it, it, you know, for whatever reason today, it's not working. That's where the rule of three will, will really help you too, right? If at the end of the rule of three, um, if I do two, two or three cycles of the rule of three and I haven't made any progress, I'm for sure going to think to myself, this is the wrong strategy for this situation. I got to, you know, find another way to um, present this information. Okay, so be adaptable. Another really important quality that we need in order to be able to provide for our horse's needs is respect for them, right? Respect for ourselves, but respect for our horses, right? That things for me respect means things like um understanding that putting a piece of metal in their mouth is weird that is a weird thing <laughs> okay that, that that is some kinky shit and we need safe words and uh, you know boundaries and an ability to go yeah i understand why that doesn't make sense to you because it's a weird thing for a human to ask you to do to me that's what respect means respect also means that when i cinch up the saddle i'm going to do it gradually I want it to feel like I'm giving you a hug and not the Heimlich maneuver. Respect means things like, I. it's okay for you to be having a bad day, right? Especially because I have mares. <laughs> you know, their they're hormones cycle and their moods change. Like something that was fun yesterday, today, they're cranky about it. Okay, me too. I sure would love to have more people in my life that could just respect that I'm just in a bad mood today and that's fine. You don't have to fix it. Just leave me alone. Let me be cranky today, all right? That would be so awesome. If I had no mares for Charlie, he says, I'm not dealing with it. You can keep your mares. I love it. I love my mares. I love um, having that challenge every day of, okay, like, so where are we at today? How are we feeling? <laughs> this time of year is usually pretty good because they're, you know, they're, um, their cycle shuts down because of the, the timing for birth. Um, so and anymore, I don't really notice my, my mares cycling that much anyway, but I'm sure they do, but it doesn't change how they interact with me. But you got to have respect for them, respect for their situation, respect for the weird shit we ask them to do, right? And, and understand um, that they're always, always, always doing the best they can with the information that they have, all right? Always, always, that they're doing the best they can, okay? If you come at it from that perspective, that your horse is doing the best they can on that day, in that situation, it will become you know that that is respect okay uh, guys guys another quality you really got to have is hyper awareness now i understand that my level of awareness is the result of childhood trauma <laughs> okay that's not a good thing but i appreciate the skill that i have now right i am hyper aware of my surroundings i am hyper aware of uh other creatures moods and it affects me 
right? Like, so if, if I perceive you to be in a bad mood, my, my body goes, ah, oh, that doesn't feel good. So I need, but I just translate that, you know, coping mechanism to hyper awareness around my horse, right? That you got to take in all of the details, not just whether or not the body does what you're asking it to. Are, are they tense as they're doing it? Are, are they, you know, wrinkling their eyes or pursing their lips or tensing their ears, holding their breath, wringing their tail? Those things aren't reasons to stop or, or, you know, cast yourself upon your carrot stick, as Carol Coppinger would say, right? It's information. It's information that we need to use um, to try to figure out what can we do to make it better. The best thing about the last time I was able to ride Vanna and we cantered was we got cantered to parts without her wringing her tail. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Um, and she's been wringing her tail for weeks, months, right? Ever since I've asked her to canter. All right. So it's, it's not a matter of that. I don't do it because she wrings her tail. My awareness is, okay, I hear that. You can hear her tail ring. Because um, she has so little hair on it. It actually sounds like clapping. Um, it's really unsettling, actually. It's not a nice sound. Um, and, and the vigorousness of it really reflects the intensity of her feeling about what I've asked her to do. Um, but so, but I'm aware of it every time, right? It doesn't mean, you know, that it kills my try or, or um, causes me to um, not do that thing. But I am definitely aware of it every time. Got to be hyper aware, right? Super big time aware all the time. You got to get good guys at solving your problems, all right? Not just in the arena, but if you get stuck on something in the arena, you got to be ready to go through the steps it would take to solve the problem eventually, right? Study the theory. Send me video, <laughs> okay? Send me video. That's like the best problem-solving you know, tool you have at your disposal, send me video. Some of you, you know, do that really well and very regularly and utilize that tool to its full, um, you know, uh, potential. And some of you don't, <laughs> but in order to become a good problem solving, um, you know, horseman, you got to have strategies available to you when you feel stuck, whether that's, you know, studying something online or in a book, or you ask it, you know, ask somebody who you, who you trust and respect, uh, you got to get good at solving your problems. Okay. Not necessarily in the moment, although eventually that skill will develop, but you know, being able to acknowledge the problem and then go through whatever steps you have available to you, um, to, you know, chip away at it. Okay. Another really important quality for us as our horse's leader, right? All of these are leadership qualities, guys, is our ability to be humble, right? To, to not be um, so keen to impress and, and you know, uh, prove ourselves, right? That we have to be ready to just, you know, uh, laugh at our own silliness, not take it too seriously, right? We're, I, you know, my, my new way of saying it is we're not curing COVID here, folks. It's, it's not, you know, unless you're doing something that is going to get you hurt or killed, right? It's not serious. Um, it, it, it's not, the sun will still rise and set tomorrow if I don't get Vanna to canter perfectly balanced before I go to Florida in, in March, right? Uh, it, it's not, um, going to matter 
on the day that I have to, we have to say our goodbyes. Okay. So stay humble. It's, it's not about, um, ego and, and, um, impressing anyone, including ourselves. Those things are fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to do everything within my power, uh, to, to do impressive things with Vanna when I go to Florida in March. I really want to impress the crowd at the members conference. I want to more than that. I want to impress Linda, but not more. I don't want that more than I want Vanna to have a good deal. All right. And when she's not having a good deal, I have to be humble enough to acknowledge that the reason why she's having a problem is me. I, I am the problem. Okay. <laughs> she's fine out there. She canters around perfectly balanced. I have never seen her, you know, not be balanced in the canter. It's when I'm <laughs> involved in, and now it's even worse than that, right? She's really balanced online, <laughs> even saddled. So I know that the problem isn't, you know, understanding how to use her body or that the saddle and the saddle's not getting in her way. It's me, <laughs> right? All of that requires a degree of humility. You have to be ready, humble enough to um, accept and acknowledge that pretty much all the time that we are the, we are the problem. <laughs> It's us, right? Okay, two more qualities. You ready? And then I'm going to open it up for you guys to add anything or, or, or ask questions. Another quality we have to be is trustworthy. Trustworthy to me means predictable, right? That I can be stable and, and um, you know, the, the calm in the storm, right? So if my horse is you know, the, the, the saying goes, right, that only one of us can freak out at a time. And when it comes to horses, it's never your turn. <laughs> it's never your turn to freak out. All right. So to me, being trustworthy means being unflappable, that I don't put our, us in situations where it's beyond my capacity to stay unflapped. It, if, you know, I think about what we're going to get up to and I don't have the capacity to stay emotionally stable, then I got to work on that first, right? Whether that's through gaining knowledge, gaining handiness, visualization exercises, you know, meditative exercises. That's uh, the other thing. I feel so good after a yoga class mentally and emotionally. I'm stoked. I'm going to be one of those weird, weird yoga people for a little bit. <laughs> be like part of my new identity. Um, but I love the feeling that I have. There's something about like how it manipulates the spine. I think actually more than anything, um, it's a, it, there, there's a somatic, um, uh, element to it that I'm really finding intriguing and exciting, but, um, in whatever works for you, right. Uh, you got to find your thing, but you got to show up at the barn being trustworthy and trustworthy means being predictable for your horse, right? It, you got to be stable. You got to be even keeled. You got to be level-headed, right? It's never your turn to freak out. Okay. And the last thing is to make sure that you're easy to please, right? Get happy when they're doing the right thing, right? It'll acknowledge it. Do something that lets them know that you appreciate their effort, that you appreciate those moments of harmony, those moments of try, those those little, um, you know, sparkly moments where things went good. Like I laugh out loud. I, I, that, I don't know how else that's probably my extrovert nature. I don't think, you know, if that doesn't come naturally to you, don't try to force it. But that, you know, if you're, if you're, their countenance is always serious. How are they to know that, you know, 
the goal is for us to enjoy ourselves, right? You have to be easy to please. You know, there's a whole um, debate around positive and negative reinforcement, but I feel like the best positive reinforcement I can have, I can offer my horse is joy, right? That joy from me is the best, best form of positive reinforcement. What, what, um, what my joy provides for her, it, it, what I hope it provides for her is oxytocin, right? A bonding, um, feeling with me that when I become her soy, her source of joy, that we experience joy together, that, um, you know, this, that, that like, that's the ultimate, right? That's the goal. It's, 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 you know, that's the dream folks. That's the dream. Okay. So, um, be easy to please, but look for things to be pleased about rather than the next thing to pick on them about. Okay. You know, deliberately put in moments of joy, plan it, you know, do it on purpose. Don't wait for it to be accidental. All right, guys, there you go. That's my big long list of that's what you're, that's all. That's it. Just do that. And you'll be good. You'll enjoy your horsemanship. The horses will have a good deal. And uh, you know, life will be hunky dory. <laughs> now, uh, here's what I'll tell you is I'm working on all of those things every day. I don't have any of them in the bag where I feel like I don't need to keep developing it and get better at them. So, and I've been trying super hard since 1996. <laughs> okay. So if I'm still working on it and if that, you know, hopefully that helps you understand that if you're still working on it too, you're, you're in good company. It's, it's, I don't feel like it's, um, a journey that has a destination there there's no like today I wake up and ta-da I got it all figured out it's you know I got my shit in a sack like every day it's it's you know various degrees of is my shit in the in my sack and if not then you know why not what can I do today that helps helps me get myself in in a better place so that I can be better for my horses okay all right I know I've got several comments in the chat. Let me just open that up and, and acknowledge those. Bar is awesome. <laughs> well, I think eventually it will be awesome, Bonnie, but for now it was hard. <laughs> That's okay. I can embrace the suck. I'm going to embrace the sucky part. I'm going to keep taking that class until it's not hard anymore. Cindy says, congrats on the yoga. I've been looking for an online rider fitness course so I can fit it in my schedule. Anyone have any suggestions? I'm looking to build balance and core. Um, I, I don't have any suggestions, but if anybody else does, please um, feel free to fire away. One of the main reasons I wanted to take the yoga class though was um, the social aspect, right? I need to get out of this house in the wintertime. I need to go be around people who have the potential to be like-minded, but without horses. I, I need it to be non-horsey for right now. Um, but uh, online stuff is really good. I obviously, um, I've taken a few of the um, just the Pilates for dressage riders from um, Janice Dulac. Those were really, really good. I don't know if she has an online course necessarily, but she's got like videos and a book and stuff like that. Super hard. <laughs> Physically, like really hard to do. Pilates is hard. Uh, but it's good stuff. I, I, uh, that's, that's the only, uh, recommend recommendation I have. Um, Bonnie says, tell that my, to my mares, they just cycled last week. Oh, about the, about the weather, right. That it, they should be, um, not cycling by now. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, depends on the stimulus and the environment and stuff. They must be a reason that they're still cycling. I, I, like I said, I don't even notice when mine come into heat anymore, but I don't have geldings around. So there's no, you know, there's no, um, boys to show me that they're cycling. 
Bonnie says, Cindy, on Facebook, there is an ad for Pilates classes and yoga. Yeah, um, I don't have any experience um, with either of those uh, deals, um, but I'm happy for you to uh, um, share with each other. I think cycling was due to Faye coming on board. Oh, sure, sure. A new, a new horse in the, in the herd. That'll do it. Yep. All right, guys. Now you tell me what, what have you learned this morning? What, what um, are you thinking around leadership, around horses needs? What do you got on your mind? Questions, comments, confusions, or requests? I have a question. Okay. Yeah. So listening to this, um, there's also kind of listening to you talk about fear and the two things that fear and changing the strategy. So when I started riding again at 48, I had fear that was not there when I was 13. Sure. And yeah, and that was a new thing to kind of deal with. And if I waited until I wasn't afraid, I would do nothing. So there was this element of like the first horse show I went to, it was like, I got to go have diarrhea before we start me and the horse. I may throw up in the ring. I mean, it was that bad. I was barely there. And I had to go to so many shows to begin to get to where I actually was. I don't, I'm in it for the horse. I don't really care too much what happens, but I, I seem to need to go through this horrible long thing um, to get there. And I don't know if that was good for my horse, but there was no other way to do it than to just put my body through the motions, you know? Yeah. 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 I think that what an important aspect to success in any capacity is our ability to think our way through pressure, right? So it sounds like it was a lot of pressure, but you, it, it sounds to me, the fact, just the fact that you kept going back is an indication that you were thinking your way through it, like acknowledging that this is hard. My body has a, you know, a physical response to this amount of stress and stimulus, um, but that uh, the only way to get better at something is to keep trying. Now, you, you, with that has to come an ability to acknowledge our limits and make sure that we keep working inside of our limitations. And um, it's easy to turn, you know, uh, a goal or our, our desire to work something out into an unhealthy obsession, right? Where we sort of just chronically put ourselves through stress over and over again, because we think that's what we're supposed to do. Um, but if what you're doing, if the repetition of the thing leads to it getting better and better for you, then in, then to me, that's an indication that it is useful stress, right? Useful stress will lead to resilience. Stress that is unrelenting and, and doesn't have any um, uh, skill acquisition in it will just lead to more stress. Right. So the fact that each time you go, you feel less stressed about it to me is an indication that it's useful stress. The goal isn't to avoid stress. The, vo the goal is to use stress in a way that de develops resilience and, you know, skill acquisition. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, I'm still exploring that, but the other thing that's happened is the changing the strategy thing. Um, you know, I kind of, 
am very black and white. So I, I started to go, okay, so when <laughs> she walks at the canner, for whatever reason, I'm out of balance or she's cranky or whatever it may be. Um, if I, we just continue forward and we seem to sort it out. But yesterday I thought I had this feeling pretty instantly that she's committed to this. We, we, we had a couple, a kick out, a buck, a kind of a reary thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, this is the strategy of pushing forward is escalating this. Yeah. Now today we're going to go back you know, I'm going to get back in the saddle here. I mean, I was not off, but I was not seated well. And we're going to go right back to finding a relaxed trot, which took about 10 minutes. I thought I hope. And then I had to kind of get my fear uh, till to, to both of us. I mean, it, she might've been ready before me, but we just had to keep trotting and, you know, and then you sort of make your best guess. I think it, we could do it now. Yep. And, that whole process is, um, like you say with Vanna, it's frustrating. Like, wow, we'd gone a month without a buck. Yeah. You know? And the funny thing is, it has never, knock on wood, happened in a show. And I think that comes back to this other thing you talked about, which is when I get in there, it's like, yeah, a confidence. I'm going to do that. We're doing this together and you're going to make this 20 meter circle and we're going to go over by M and yep. uh, you got this. And I'll even talk to her. Yeah. I don't care what the judge thinks. I'll do the happy and all that, you know, through the whole thing, you know, and I'm like, why is it harder at home than it is at the show now? Yeah. The, I can tell you why. Um, when you're at the show, you have a very strong um, focus right? Like you're, it's, it's all dictated for you. Like at, you know, F we're going to canter and we're going to do a 20 meter canter and it, then we're going to transition back, you know, to the trot at a certain spot. It's very, um, um, uh, clear. The plan is very clear. The goal is very like clear where at home it can be a little, you know, she, the, 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 you know, aspect that you have with Aspen Cindy is that she's seen it all like a million times and, you know, and she's a left brain horse. So a lot of the times she doesn't see the point, like, why are we doing this? You got to have a better, um, response to her, um, than because I said so, right. Every time she's like, why are we doing this? And energetically your response is because I said, so she's probably going to fight you on that because it pokes against her dignity. But if you can pretend to have a purpose, like one of the things I used to do with Saturi is I would say, because we're late, you got to hurry up. We're late. And she'd be like, oh shit, late for what? I'm like, I don't know. We're just late. <laughs> right? That's how I would like put some purpose into it. Or I, I might imagine that we're doing cows. I'm like, the cow's getting out. The cow's getting out. That's what we, we got to go. Right. That, that kind of thing um, helps you be a, a bit more. Um, purposeful in what you're asking for versus a lot of times we get into our arena and we just sort of, you know, trot and canter around and there's no pattern in mind. There's no specifics. It's all just sort of wishy-washy where at the show you're, you know, you're doing a test. It's, it's very specific. So that's going to um, also come under the category of playfulness, right? That, um, that finding that balance between consistency for training and variety to keep her interested in the conversation. I love what you're doing at Liberty right now, because that will help 
compensate for, you know, the consistency that you need to get, you know, trained for a show The the Liberty stuff um, allows you to be a bit more creative and, you know, silly and fun where, you know, that, that will help her have continue to help her have more tolerance for, you know, the training that has to happen for, um, you know, to take her to a dressage show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a journey, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And you, 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 you picked, you picked she, you know, that you picked. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you got what you got one. <laughs> she, yeah. I love her to bits. I think she's the coolest, um, but she is not an easy girl for sure. The, the combination of her innate characteristics and then also what she's already been through in her life uh, makes her a challenge. She for sure is going to make you earn it every step of the way. <laughs> You're yeah. doing great. You're doing great. You've made huge, huge strides. <clears throat> big, yeah, big I think the biggest thing is, you know, um, keeping focused on but the thing you said about their needs are always <laughs> more important than ours. I mean, it's, I never get to be first. Come on, Aspen, it's my turn. You know, that, that right. just doesn't happen. And um, she doesn't compensate for me very often like I, well, sometimes on the videos you'll say well yeah but she threw you a bone there which is kind of uncommon but it happened <laughs> yes. you were not balanced and she should have bucked you know yeah 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 she's for sure gonna hold you accountable there's no filling in what I shouldn't say none she she very rarely fills in for you that's just not in her nature Maxie's the same way she just does it by refusing to move right she does she doesn't do it by bucking that's why she i've never been able to use her very successfully as a teaching aid because she hates it <laughs> she hates it she gets all kinds of crabby when somebody doesn't you know like acknowledge and and communicate with her the way she's become accustomed um and so if it's not if i can't get the student to do it exactly the way i do it um then she just shuts down uh where you know uh, Aspen's doing the same thing. It's just, she does it by, you know, more extroverted where Maxie does it introvertedly. Some, some horses, they just, they're not going to fill in for us. They're going to make it earn every step. <laughs> I love her for that. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. You've come miles and miles. Gotta stay safe. That's it. That's it. Keep a balance in there. Thank you, Cindy. Mm -hmm. What else, guys? Anything else about what we've talked about today? The horses' needs or the leadership? Yeah, Julie, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about comfort and, you know, the subtle communication. I can do that when I'm doing groundwork with her and we've warmed up and so on and so forth. And she's incredibly sensitive. But I'm not riding her at the moment because everything's so foul. And I'm trying to get bits and pieces done around the yard when it's, you know, it's OK. And But there are certain basics which... Um, I mean, I've got three mares and they all know about, it's like the ABC. So the example is um, now they're living out all the time. I go in their shelter and I fill their, their wooden um, things up with hay. And they know that they're not allowed to come and start eating the hay until I've finished. I yeah. don't want them all crowding around me and, you know. So, uh, oh, but Madam decides that uh, she's gone a bit dull 
and she can't do the ABC anymore. So she just starts to move over and starts to eat the hay. And I turn around and I say to her, excuse me, could you back up? And of course she'll back up, that's fine. But it's like, I'm getting really pissed off with this. I want to say to her, you know, you'd know how to do this. It's like, you, you know, what are you doing? It's like a sulky teenager, isn't it, with bad manners? You know, we don't do that around here. Uh, and now how can you get from the ABC where you teach them things and they know what they're doing to subtle communication when they're actually just doing that? And the thing that made me want to ask this question as well was um, when Linda came over uh, and I was loading to go home as, as a result of the clinic, I was really pleased because all that work you and I had done on loading her into the truck, Linda was standing there watching people loading to see if they wanted any help. And Roshi went straight up the ramp, turned around, stood there, started to eat some hay. I closed the partition and all of a sudden she starts this great big pouring in the truck like this. And it's like, oh, God, what's going on? And she had a shocking journey down. And I thought to myself, oh, blimey, she's remembering that. Linda went straight up the ramp and she got hold of the rope and she said, stop that. And just hit her on the nose with a rope. And she went, oh. So my question, I guess, is there must be a time and a place when you do that, when you just say, no, sorry, that's not OK. And it's not a barge or a push or a... You know what? You know I understand what you say about that. It's just a, an ABC thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So subtle is only available when the horse is in a learning frame of mind. When they're pushing on you at feed time, that is dangerous. I would be as firm as necessary. So in those moments, you got to match them. And so when you ask her to when you when you asked Madam uh, to back up, just because she acknowledged that she knows how to back up doesn't mean that you were, you're going to change her mind about whether or not she should be getting in there and sneaking bites of hay, right? So there's a difference between having a pleasing conversation because that's available to us and the amount of pressure I would use to sort of establish a boundary. A boundary is just, this is okay with me. That's not okay with me. So every time I have to use pressure in a situation to acknowledge like that's not okay with me I, I need you to not do that because that doesn't promote a good you know partnership here that amount of pressure has to match their intention for doing the thing right so if they're pawing or pushing in on you for hey that sort of thing however however much intention they have in doing you know what you don't want them to do you have to match that um the only thing I would caution you there is to be careful because it can um, turn into punishment real easily, right? Yeah, and so, that's exactly what happens with her. She freaks out and she charges out of the shelter and she goes and makes a great big hoolie about it all. And then the next day I come in with the hay, she's like, whoa, don't go near her. You know, she's a tyrant. Um, <laughs> well, that's what she tells the, the Shetlands. No, oh, don't go in there, you know, and they'll start charging around. Because we did that yesterday and she told us off. So um, it's a balance, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in those moments, you know, like if she does, you know, get ex excited or whatever, um, th that's where, where I hear my Aunt Peggy in my head, right? You can get glad in the same pants you got mad in, darling. Like that doesn't change this boundary. Um, yeah. while, while I was away in Australia, I neglected to remind my husband that horses do not get let into the barn if they are pawing at the gate. 
is we are still fixing it, right? So feed time issues are, you know, really a big deal that have a potential to have a strong impact o- over a long term, right? And fixing something that for whatever reason regressed um, might take several days of repetition before it gets back to that peaceful, happy um, feeling. And, you know, I there's so many elements to, um, to that, right? Like right now, the changing dynamic in my herd is Kaya maturing, right? Kaya is going from a baby horse to really, I mean, even though she's only two, like, you know, yeah, right. She just turned two last May. So two and a half, um, rising three already. Come on. No, is she really? Yeah, she is. I better get going. Um, (laughs) um, that, that eight, that change from yearling into like almost three vastly different you know, mentality in, in young horses, especially mares. So, um, that changing dynamic is changing the herd dynamic. You add that to the fact that Maxi is going from like super, you know, fit, strong, ultimate leader mare. Cause she's, you know, that's who she's been her whole life. Joseph. Oh my God. <laughs> that's jo- Joey is Charlie's dog. Um, I'm his auntie. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? I got distracted. Sparkly, pretty dog. Uh, so Maxie's aging now, right? And so her influence on the herd is changing. It bums me out. Uh, but the cool thing is, is Vanna's stepping up and, I, and, um, Vanna's, you know, um, influence on Kaya and Gina is uh, pretty good. It's, I, it's so far it's, it's like, you know, good. But so, so those changing dynamics, in, in the herd um, hierarchy is changing things at feed time as well. So there's all kinds of reasons for it to change is the point of all of that, right? And um, that to me, it just boils down to consistency. Like that's gonna be my, you know, my rule every, every time. Like I don't open gates for pawing horses. And um, when I correct the pawing, I do so by chucking a rock at them. <laughs> we don't paw here. Like that's not, that's not our, um, you know, the way we get things done when, when everybody can settle, even if it's only for a moment, then I will open the gate. They can't be moving their feet in any capacity, whether it's pawing or wandering around. So it has to be consistent every time I would whack them, Julie, (laughs) for sure. She'll figure it out. She'll get it. She'll get over the emotions of it and it'll, it'll get better again. All right, guys. That's been a great, great topic for us today. Um, unless any, anybody else is, uh, you're welcome, Jan. It's been a pleasure and reach out anytime you need anything. Okay. I'm here for you. All right. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to go see what I can get done in this snowy, wet day. Um, and it's been a, a very pleasurable conversation with you this morning. I'll post the recording ASAP um, for you to review if you'd like. Please send me video, send me emails, send me questions. I am here for you. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you. Happy New Year. I'll talk to you next week in the new year.